<laughs> That's good morning in Italian. Even though I am in Johannesburg right now and it's 6.30 p.m. <laughs> um, hi guys. Today, <laughs> I wanted to chat about dating. Why? Because your girl is back on Bumble. It is hilarious that I am online dating at 35, 39. Ha ha ha, look at me. I don't even wish I was 35. I love being 39. Um, but I think it's so interesting being in the online dating scene at this age because it's certainly not what I ever imagined would happen in my love life. And yet it has happened in my love life that I'm 39 and single. And to be very honest with you, I felt a lot of shame about this. And it's the first time I'm actually coming out and saying this because I have been ashamed. <laughs> so I've been hiding it, right? I've been, you know, oh no, you know, it's not the right time. Oh no, you know, I've been running my career. Oh no, I'm working on myself. Oh no. And all those things are true, but there's this undercurrent of, I can't believe that I'm still single. Like everything society has told me and my culture has told me is that I, by now I should be married with children who are so hands, who are loved by me and cared for by me in such a hands-on way. And I should be deriving 90% or whatever percentage of my fulfillment from my beautiful family and my white picket fence, right? And my white and my family should include my husband and my two kids. And that is absolutely not my story. I feel like I have the white picket fence, but there was no page in the book on successful womanhood that had, you know, single independent auntie at 39 who has traveled the world who is self-embodied who is taking life in her stride who loves who she is and um, is making a career for herself that fulfills her who is shaping her own destiny who is not under the thumb of some man as the protection over her to define her place in this world you know, the whole construct, right? There is no page in the book that has that. And so because of that, to be very honest, I have been feeling like there's something wrong with me and disappointed in myself for not being able to figure it out, for not being able to settle down, for not being quote unquote pickable. Because what I wanted is someone to choose me. Oh my fucking God, it's the worst thing ever. And... I just don't think that is fair on me. Um, my girl, Nafe, sent me a book that she came across that has something to do with um, understanding your shame cycles <laughs> and unpacking them. I haven't even watched the video. I just read her experience of the book and I was like, there's no fucking way that I'm doing that. And at the same time, I also felt like, oh my gosh, there's somewhere where maybe I can have a conversation about this shame. I don't know what that, you know, 
YouTube video is going to say, but I really hope that it is debunking or challenging some of the things that cause us shame so that we can just let go of them and decide to embrace the lives that we do have, which I have started doing about my relationship status the past, I would say, three years. And so I am, what would I say? Because I, I wanted to see if it would be true to say I'm happily single or is it that I'm comfortably single or that I'm willingly single or that I'm knowingly single <laughs> or I'm just single and that's just it, right? Do I have to, you know, be self-empowered about it? I'm just moving the laptop to the side a little bit because the fan is starting to wear and I want to make sure I have as clean a sound as possible because your girl is a stickler for sound. Um, you know, I really am asking myself, why have I felt like I've needed to qualify that and be some, have some rallying cry for how awesome it is to be single? It's either I have to be that, you know, according to society, or I need to be disappointed that I'm single and desperate to find a husband and doing everything that I can to find one. You know what I mean? And I can't even be looking for partnership. I have to be looking for a husband. I mean, honestly, it's ridiculous. So uh, this conversation has been prompted by the fact that I finally feel like I think I understand what my relationship arc has been. <laughs> so <laughs> I want you guys to, to stay with me here. I, I, I think that so if you've listened to my previous episodes, right, I've talked about our life's drama, right? Drama being our soul's drama. So our, our life's drama as incarnated human beings is actually a an expression of our soul's drama. And it feels like drama when we don't understand what our souls are trying to do in this life. And what's, bring, what's brought me the most freedom has been discovering Michael Newton's work on souls and endless souls, which is what I call um, my higher self. I call her my higher self or my endless soul. And when we understand that we are souls that incarnate over and over because there's things we want to experience so that we learn about the full bodied nature of what it means to be alive and what consciousness is and what being is, we start to gain better context and understanding and can release a little bit of the shame spirals or misunderstandings that we can have about the themes that we struggle with in our lives and the themes that we spend a lot of time trying to negotiate in our lifetimes. Um, so, you know, one of my life's dramas has been relationships. And it's been interesting because I have been, you know, I've had some great relationships and I've had some terrible relationships and I've had relationships that just didn't work out because they weren't meant to work out and I've had unrealized potential amazing relationships that just didn't fully realize themselves because of maybe timing or um, you, we, weren't, we weren't who we needed to be yet or we weren't who we needed to be in order to be able to be together, but we were each individually wonderful people. I've dated some people who are like that. I would say that the majority of my partners have been like that. And it's really, really, really only a select few that have just been like 
absolutely not someone that anyone should have been even thinking about dating. I don't think anyone is a bad person. I think that all of us are just wounded and trying to figure out life, you know? And so what I've been contending with has been in the first half of my life, I felt a lot of shame around why can't I figure this out? What's wrong with me? Why am I always messing up my relationships? Um, what, what don't I know that I need to know so that I can hack this thing so that I can finally have the love I want? Um, in my teens, there was this massive romanticization of relationships. I was totally stuck in the Disney narrative of, I just need to find a partner who will kind of save me from how difficult and impossible my life is. And I mean, the moment you're looking for a savior, forget about it. And then in my 30s, where I wanted a relationship, but I actually didn't want one. And I didn't know that I didn't want one. Right, I had this whole complex in a family system response to my childhood and early 20s and 20s dating experiences that made me very gun shy about love and relationships and made me um, hang on the fringes. Now, the fascinating thing is that I I'm not 39, and when I look back, I can see a few themes that maybe explain why I have unconsciously, why I have been single, right? Uh, these themes are things that I've only really started to grasp the last three years when I started doing the work to actually see myself clearly and own who I am instead of avoiding the truth of who I am by cloaking you know some of those things in shame or in the compulsive propulsion to keep working on myself to grow right to keep reading all the self-help books about love and etc etc so that I could just you know fix myself into being pickable by an amazing guy and I didn't know that um, I needed to actually go on my own epic adventure <laughs> and save myself first. Right? What I believed in my twenty, in my teens, and some of my twenties, that like this relationship would just like make my whole life make sense, just wasn't true. Like the person I was looking for was me, not some other dude. And now that I've found that, I have discovered that a lot of the, um, I think, the conversation around love and relationship, when it comes to your relationship will complete you, your partner should be your better half, um, that um, in partnership to become one, and that the woman plays X role and the man plays Y role, and when you're both playing your roles, you fit together like a puzzle piece and your marriage will be symbiotically perfect all of that stuff for me took me away from the very real work that was needed of me that was required of me which was to go within and heal my heart and heal my relationship with myself so that I could properly put love and romantic relationship into context um, in, and, and so what I want to share is 
I'm, I'm sharing this because who knows, right? Maybe you've experienced this, but I've been learning that romantic relationships are very complex layered spaces that bring out our mirrors. I'm learning a lot, right, from a lot of the people I follow on social media um, and the podcasts I listen to and my own work in therapy. And um, what I have begun to understand is that for the majority of my life, I thought that I wanted love, but I didn't realize I didn't want love. In my 20s, what I wanted was something that would anchor me. In my teens, I was suicidal um, at 14. Was it 14? No, I was 15 to 16, uh, which was form 3 to form 4. And one of the things that saved me was Tenji. I promise you life gets better. What if life gets better? What if we stick around to see if life gets better? What if we decide to believe Jesus? And I remember having this moment in scripture union where Jesus was just like, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I was like, that's all I ever wanted. Oh my God, Jesus, please come save me. And Jesus became my savior. And the concept of everlasting love being a thing that can save you became dangerously imprinted into my mind. And it is true that everlasting love saves you. But it is not true that someone else's everlasting love for you will save you. The everlasting love that will save you is your love for yourself. Not even the universe's love for you. You are the one who has to believe that you are loved by you. Because if you never fully touch the universe in this lifetime, you cannot wait for the universe to be this thing that loves you because then you start looking to the universe to start being your savior and when you like when the universe isn't handing you a great life on a platter then you can get mad at it right or mad at god and say but you were supposed to save me right which I, is a trap i fell into um there was this composite that i started holding which was that you know jesus and therefore god are going to save me and I buried myself in Christianity looking for salvation and the second part of the you know something will save me composite the love will save me composite was when I finally find my husband um, I will finally find home right at the place where I effortlessly belong where I'm wanted where I'm chosen where someone will never let me go where I'm unconditionally loved for who I am and it will be a perfect fit for me and um oh shame like it reflects in the kinds of relationships that i picked because then i spent this whole long time picking men whose love i needed to earn because my whole paradigm was that i will find a savior who will choose me and love me which means what you don't realize is when you define love as that or you define your salvation as that you will unconsciously pick men who don't choose you so that you can be on the quest to be chosen in your relationship with them because you're defining yourself as someone who needs to be chosen and who needs to um, arrive at being the choice. 
And if your narrative is that I must be chosen, you will go to places where you aren't chosen and strive to become chosen. If your narrative is um, to be saved, you will go into dynamics where um, people are seeking to shape you into who who are really strong, right? And um, these quote-unquote alphas with this big, big energy that is coming to like wrap you into their arms and take you in and like make your life safe. But that means the archetype of the person that you pick is someone who probably isn't working on themselves. They're looking for someone else to externalize um, the focus of their love onto and someone who may actually end up being quite controlling or um, is wrapped up in the other's story and not in their own story and therefore needs you to be needs to needs you to be in the position of a victim or, or someone who's a bit helpless and who really needs salvation so that they can be your savior and they can feel validated and then you embody this victim mentality so that you can be saved and you can come and be enveloped into the loving care of this benevolent man who has come to be your knight in shining armor and that was LT Moyana my first name is Lisa so um that was me to a T and oh my gosh guys what a trap right so on the one hand I'm looking for salvation and um I'm looking for it in God on the other hand I'm looking for it in a man but what that means is that when I then find someone who's like okay I'm here and I'm gonna take care of you let's do this I'm like, no, but I am the victim now. I am the victim and I'm the person who's always striving for love. And so um, if now I've found love, I, my identity as a person who strives for love is now under threat. So that very relationship that would show up to come and like <laughs> save me, I would then sabotage, right? And, and make it end so that I can go and be um go find someone else to strive for so i can continue to be the striver right because the striver can't find love she has to strive right and then if i meet a person who is not really interested in being my savior but is a really wonderful person i'm not going to pick that guy because he doesn't want to come save me and i'm supposed to be the victim if he's not trying to save me then how do i play my victim role so i don't want a well-adjusted man who just wants to be a side-by-side partner with me right i want a guy who's gonna come and like you know do toxic shit with me and um make me feel like okay this feels like love right um where i don't have agency and this person is is like coming and benevolently caring for me and you know, um, bringing all their ideals and values and perspectives um, into my life, right? And saying, hey, honey, like, take these on because these will save you, right? Um, and so um, I'm shaping a little bit this weird dynamic that I found myself in growing up. And then, you know, obviously this whole thing about needing to be saved, um, where did it come from? It came from the suicide, but also like the trauma of like growing up in a household where I just didn't feel seen and understood um, because I just felt so different and my parents were really strict. They were not emotionally nurturing parents at all. They didn't have emotional capabilities at all, emotional maturity or um, emotional intelligence. 
because they weren't taught it themselves, right? And um, they were so busy liberating the country that they were giving us a different kind of freedom, right? And a different kind of support, which was financial support, which was, you know, my, my mom's focus was not to teach me how to like, you know, be a loving, nurturing, blah, blah, blah individual. It was like to um, teach me how to be independent and stand on my own two feet and be, you know, that that generation, that first generation of women in Zimbabwe who would be fully empowered, right? And to take my the seat at my own table and create the life I want for myself. And she did that brilliantly. And my dad did that brilliantly, but they did other things really, really badly. And like that really damaged me. And so I came out of that childhood really, really, really damaged and um, kind of afraid of love because love was really threatening to me. Love was not a safe thing for me yet. It was the thing that I had defined my salvation as coming from. And so then there's been this weird relationship I've had with love, which is that it is this necessary evil that I don't trust. <laughs> it is the thing that's supposed to save me, but I don't trust the savior. So of course I'm never going to like be in a relationship because I don't trust love, right? But like the construct of love is very useful, right? Because it keeps me... Um, away from the really, really difficult trauma and internal reality of the deep, deep pain and the wounds that I experienced um, when I was young and my you know, physical and emotional traumas that I experienced as a child that I was like, and, and you know, as a, a, a soft, sensitive child, right? Soft as in a soft core, right? I'm a big ass, bad ass, outspoken, big energy person with such a soft core, which made it quite difficult for my parents to parent me, for caregivers at boarding school to um, kind of be able to contend well with me, for teachers to, you know, feel comfortable in my energy, right? Because I was so curious and I was always asking challenging questions, but I always worked hard and did really well and was respectful. But, you know, um, wasn't necessarily someone who followed the crowd and who was easily manipulated. So it was odd because here I am as a sensitive, soft, like kind of like open person who's not pliant. I just wasn't pliant. And so people struggled with that because I'm also like a black female growing up in Shana culture. And so I experienced a lot of wounding around themes of control and being controlled, being misunderstood, um, people kind of lashing out at me with their fear and insecurity um, at how I would question them and not kind of like bend and break under their under the force of their authority. And so that layered in, right, with this whole savior victim complex that I had, pick me complex that I had, to also then make love inherently unsafe. So here I am wanting love to be the thing that saves me, right? Because I'm trying to live for something and love saved my life, right? Because Jesus and his endless love saved my life. But I don't think love is a safe thing. 
So this thing that has saved my life is something I don't actually trust because anytime you open up to people to trust them and let them in and give them space to inf have influence over your life, they try to control you, which was my experience, right? And so then all of a sudden, there's this like weird thing happening where then I'm like, when I'm finding myself in relationships, I'm also like very, very, very unconsciously resisting the relationship because I'm like, if I let my guard down, this person will control me, which saviors tend to do, right? Because saviors control you with their narrative of needing you to be a certain type of person so that they can save you. And um, people who people who you say, I'm waiting for you to pick me, will have a certain level of narcissism, narcissism in some people and also like super, inherent superiority in others. And I would say um, a an insecurity that requires you to really validate that they are the person that you're going to, to pick them. And so they are worthy as a person because you have put your worth into their hands and said, please pick me. And that makes them worthy. And so then when I'm now stepping away from needing to be picked and saying, well, I don't necessarily really, you know, need you to pick me, then they're like, why do you think that you're fine without, you know, <laughs> me or you know um you know why why are you kind of like embodying too much of your independent energy and um it just like the problem is when you pick relationships out of your trauma which is what we all do <laughs> until we go to therapy to learn what is your my personal story that i'm bringing to the table that i'm trying to use love to solve for me if we haven't brought that unconscious programming into our awareness, we will be unconsciously picking relationships out of that narrative, right? And and that complex. <clears throat> it's never one thing. I don't believe it's ever one thing. I think it's always a complex combination of things that come together to create your relationship patterning. I'm just having a sip of water. So the biggest work I've had to do in the area of love relationships has been to unpack what is my unconscious relationship patterning. And that's what I've been sharing with you now, right? Um, what I've started like peeling away and bringing the light to because of therapy. And I started therapy in 2019 at the end of the year. And that was, no, I think it might have been 2020. No, it was 2019 at the end of the year. Um, and that was, um, what, four years ago? I started understanding this whole story. And I started realizing that I have been single because the combination of factors that happened in my childhood and my adulthood have created com a combination system of patterning that makes me reach out for and crave relationships and then push them away when they come and when people get too close. Because although I want love to save me, I don't trust love and will ultimately push it away when it gets too close because it threatens my sovereignty and independence and the thing that makes me feel like I can survive because the reality is I have, I had started to believe that 
you can't trust God. Um, you can't trust men. <laughs> you can't trust life because life's equation doesn't make sense. If you listen to my other podcasts, you'll start the, the first two episodes, you'll start getting a sense of some of the things that made life a little bit challenging. Um, and then lastly, I couldn't trust me because I didn't really believe one, I didn't believe that I was a good person because if I was a good person, then people wouldn't have rejected me so much when I was young. That's what I, that's what little teen, um, early teen me believed that made me suicidal. Um, two, I also believed that I was inherently frail and incapable of um, navigating life well and being strong and self-embodied in this life. I, I actually really felt like I did need someone to like help me figure life out because I was having such a hard time trying to do it on my own. And I thought that there was supposed to be some level of capability that I was supposed to have that I didn't have, so I didn't trust in my own strength. So, I mean, how impossible is it for a person to come here into the world not trusting anything? I don't trust life. I don't trust God or the universe. I don't trust men or other people. I don't trust me. So what do I trust? Like, I had no one. I had nothing. Of course, my... my um my tether to this world was tenuous of course i would then battle with suicide at different points in my life or suicidality at different points in my life because what am i honestly standing on or what what rope am i holding on to if i can't trust a thing so a big thing that i've had to really do is return to myself and love and accept myself so that i can have a place that i can trust and the place that i have found trust in is me and slowly, because I've now found trust in myself, I've been able to better see other people clearly. We're not going to go through that into, we're not going to go into that in this episode, but it's a whole complex process of, um, as you become your safe place, you become better able to see other people clearly and not through the myopic lens of distrust that you have. And in so doing, you're better able to trust them because you can you now have reality to work with and before of course you can't trust the illusion you create because on a deep psychological level you know that the illusion you've created isn't real and so of course it's going to be untrustworthy and so fast forward to where i am now which is like i've gone through this whole process <clears throat> of realizing that at the heart of all of this was lack of trust and because i lacked trust it meant that Truly at my core, I didn't want a relationship. I was picking unsuitable people. I was picking from a narrative structure that was inherently unstable. <coughs> and I was ensuring that relationships would never progress into long-term partnership because I was convinced that long-term partnership would be my undoing and it would be a place I would go to die because um, the suicidality, right? And the things I've mentioned earlier. And so the more and more I have found healing within myself on all those things I've mentioned, um, the more I have become aware that I didn't want love and that I was actually choosing partners that were inherently never going to be people that I would pick to settle down with and trust. Hence, Tenji's 39 and single. And it's been really, really freeing for me to now understand that it has actually served me very, very well to be single. And part of what my brain was doing by making me on 
by keeping me on this quest for love all these years was to stop me from no longer questing for love and taking that whole work stream off the table so that I would have now nothing else to focus on but me. And when that work stream came off the table, for sure, I, it forced me to have to look at myself because I was no longer distracted and there the healing really happened. Right, so now I've understood that, so I understand that from a trauma lens. But there's another lens at play, which is my soul's purpose. Um, part of what my soul sought to do in this lifetime was to find itself on its own. In, a pre in my previous life, um, my most recent past life, I was a shaman in Peru. And I was born into the role of being the spiritual leader, not leader, the um, like spiritual guide for the council of elders who were the governing body for the community that I lived in. And I would provide wise counsel to them. And because it was a spiritual role, it was an ordained thing. I, I was like, you know, you know, it was foreseen, foreseen that I was coming. And when I was born, you know, the shaman, you know, was like, this is the child who's here, who's going to take over after me. I was groomed into the role. I was basically, I belonged to spirit and I belonged to the universe in service of the village's um, highest good, right? And in service of truth and wisdom for my community. And so I belonged to spirit and not to myself. And I know that partly in this lifetime, I've been negotiating, wanting to belong to myself. I don't want to belong to anyone. I don't want to actually belong to a man. I don't want to belong to my parents. I don't want to belong to a political party, to a company, to a partner. I want to belong to me, right? And so that's where this tension of I'm looking for a savior, looking for a savior. And then the key thread, my my soul is trying to find is like, but can we stand on our own two feet? And I've actually seen unwittingly over the past, you know, 20 years, right? If you say since I was 19, I have stood on my own feet. I went, that's when I went to the US and study and, and by myself, right? My sister was there for a period of that time and then she left and I had to do the US alone and was like, well, can you stand on your own two feet? Can you support yourself? What do you want in life? What, who are you when you're not in, you know, all these really, really structured environments that are trying to shape you into who you are? That is partly why I, I ended up um, releasing myself from religion because I wanted to find my own spirituality and belong to a version of spirituality that I would create for myself that would let me feel free and say, well, I opt in and out. I decide how I express my, my spirituality and how I contribute my spiritual gifts and abilities to the world. That's why I do all this divergent shit because I was a shaman in a past life and I have the legacy of all those gifts and capabilities of shamanism, but um, I didn't want to be obligated to use those in a preordained way because that is what spirit called, like demanded of me. I wanted to choose what I what what it would look like for me, right? And I wanted to belong to me. So partly, this has been and, and you know the thing is when you belong to spirit in in that way. And I'm using belong because that's my own languaging. Other people don't see it as belonging, but for me, that's how I saw it. Um, you are in a little bit controlled, right? But 
when you belong to spirit and you're here to do spirit's work, spirit always resources you, right? So I was very cared for. I, I was a successful merchant, I, I, a successful business person. I never wanted for anything. And I was just held and supported by, you know, my community. I was, I had an effortless role where I slotted in and fitted in. And my value was easily understood and channeled to benefit my community. And everything was just provided for me, right? In this life, I've had to now go create everything for myself. So that's why I've been hyper ambitious. Um, because I wanted to stand on my own feet and be independent. That's why I picked the parents I picked who would not come and like nurture and hold me and so that I would have to learn how to nurture and hold myself who would teach me how to be an absolute your professional powerhouse so that I could create wealth and success and um, independence for myself right and I would um, not actually partner even though there's this whole narrative that was something I needed to grow in and overcome absolutely but that narrative also served my soul's purpose which was to keep me alone and in being alone to see can I do this on my own can I chart my own path and so part of my romantic saga has been about can Tenji stand on her own and if she can get to this place on her own and it all has culminated in my existential crisis dark night of the soul in December 2022 um now that she has that, what does she want to choose? Well, she wants to choose to walk through life interdependently with someone else, where she has her own sovereign being with her own big divine work streams and her own dharma that she's driving. And she's her own person and fully embodied. And whoever she partners with is their own person running their own parallel stream with Tenji. That's why that's the version of partnership I want. But I didn't know this, right, until now. And so... <laughs> As I emerge into the dating streets, um, this is the energy I'm bringing in where I now am not feeling ashamed of having been single. I'm feeling like delighted that I actually achieved part of my soul's mission. You know, and in some of in my past life regression, these are there, there are clues to this that my um, eternal soul tribe, right? I have a council of elders that like advises me as I go from lifetime to lifetime. You know, they shared with me the wisdom of what my soul wanted to try and do in this life and the agreements I had with my parents around how they would parent me and what they would teach me through the dynamic of our relationship with each other. And um, to learn how to love myself and not look for love externally, right? And now that I've found that, then I get to choose. So I remember asking them, oh, so, you know, is there love for me on the cards or as, or am I just destined to just be single forever? And it was like, you can have love if you want it, it is your choice. And I can see that now that like, I then elect to say, well, what love do I want? What partnership will support me in my path as an independent person, but who, who can therefore then be enhanced by someone and not saved by someone and not um, validated by someone, and not held by someone, and owned by someone, I can just be supported, right? And I am my first nurturing, and my first support, and my first material grounding, and my first um, source of financial security, and my partner is a supplement to that. Which is fascinating that I'm a black Zimbabwean woman, right? Because that really 
means that my dating options <laughs> don't really understand. Um, I look like a hyper-feminist, independent woman, rah, 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 uh, that most people, you know, most of my male African counterparts just don't jive with. But, you know, I've been on Bumble and finding that there are some people who jive with that, you know? And so, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to now talk about Bumble here now. I thought I was going to today, but we'll talk about online dating and, and what dating has been like with this new awareness and another conversation. But it's been so liberating for me to have understood all the things that I've just shared with you, because what it means for us as women and men who are single later in life or not having as much success in, li in love or having, you know, serial relationships that have similar patterning in them is I think that life is inviting us to step back and ask ourselves what is my relationship patterning telling me about who I am and what I need to find in myself and understand about my soul's intention for this lifetime because if I can understand that then I can lean into it from an empowered perspective right now I can from an empowered perspective be more thoughtful and deliberate about who I choose to partner with knowing what they're bringing me knowing um the role they're here to play in my life journey because I know that in my next relationship now there are a lot of things that I'm going to have to now negotiate and work through about my earlier conditioning and patterning to transmute it into the highest vibration of mutual interdependence and conscious partnership where from being a very disempowered um, version of partnership that's the invitation and that's its own hard work but then i need to pick someone who i can now do that with so that i'm in the highest vibration of independence in this lifetime with union and uh, community and the balance of being in community and independence because the whole purpose of all our lives is always to come to balance all right guys see you in the next one <laughs> i know it's an abrupt ending but like it's been such a deep topic and like it's like my heart is like okay that's enough like there was a lot of vulnerability we feel exposed this was this was actually hard to share i hope you know that because you know, I'm like opening up my heart and being like, come and look at me inside and see the shame I've held and see my whole personal story. And this is the kind of information that people could weaponize. But, you know, thank the universe. We now have discernment and awareness and um, we're better able at discerning people's intentions. And so I'm actually quite comfortable for this to live in the public arena now because I'm no longer ashamed of my relation relationship story because now I understand it and I own it and it is now an empowering narrative that I'm using to shape um how I how I expand for the next growth push right um yeah all right